And now it's time for us to discuss some of these headlines in details with Adam joining us on the line. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. How are you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm not doing too shabby. <laughs> We've made it through another week. We've survived. <laughs> and it's the first time I've seen you with your hair up, actually. Yeah, apparently I don't do that a lot in the first thing in the morning. I'm getting a little yeah. bit of reaction from our listeners. Yeah. Thanks for noticing. Small things, eh? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> it, I'm loving the bun. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go with Friday fun hair or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Friday fun hair. Shake or, things up a little bit. Why not? Or lazy morning. Take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Adam. Uh, let's get to some of our major headlines. Headlines this morning, clarifying some of these tricky, tricky headlines for our listeners. This is our first pick of the day. Trilateral meeting. So the National Security Advisors of South Korea, the U.S. and Japan have met in Hawaii to discuss a range of issues. So what's the latest, Adam? Right. So National Security Advisor Kim Sung-an said the United States will examine the potential effects of the Inflation Reduction Act at the level of the White House National Security Council. That was kind of one of the issues that was closely being looked at to see whether any uh, comments or remarks would come out in that meeting, because it is one of the most pressing issues uh, between South Korea and the U.S. at the moment. Uh, he was speaking, of course, after the meet, after meeting with Jake Sullivan. The act excludes electric vehicles that are assembled outside of North America from tax incentives. And of course, that may affect uh, and deal a blow to Korean uh, car manufacturers who create EVs or manufactures EVs inside Korea and exports them to the U.S. and other markets. Now, Kim said Sullivan had promised to examine in detail the future direction and impact of EV tax credits while he saw the law could actually be more advantageous uh, for Korea. Uh, the two also exchanged views on North Korea issues, one of the common agenda items when they meet, uh, as well as ways to strengthen security cooperation among South Korea, the US and Japan. During a bilateral meeting between Kim and his Japanese counterpart, Takeo Akiba, prior to his talks with Sullivan, the two sides engaged in a productive discussion about how to improve South Korea-Japan ties and deal with North Korea-related issues. Kim also had consultations with both Sullivan and Akiba over cooperation in making Pyongyang accept Seoul's so-called audacious plan that's mm. basically seeking aid in exchange for denuclearization um, they also vow to not go easy on North Korea if it conducts another nuclear test. So while there are those olive branches and diplomatic uh, approaches, it is maintaining a kind of a stern, a hardline stance mm. if it does, if the regime does conduct that nuclear test, um, of which reports have suggested that it is ready to do so. Uh, in terms of supply chain issues, the three sides vow to work together to swiftly respond to global supply chain disturbances if they occur. All right, uh, that's the latest out of that trilateral meeting uh, set up in Hawaii. Let's move on to uh, some much-needed tax alleviation. It seems that it's very likely it'll pass come next Wednesday. This is our second keyword of the day. Real estate tax. So rival parties have agreed to revise a bill to ease the comprehensive real estate tax burdens, mainly aimed at helping single homeowners, not multiple homeowners. So tell us the details. Yes, it is mainly aimed at helping those single homeowners, although the definition of single homeowners is being a bit revised under the revision bill. It's where long-term owners of one home will be allowed to postpone payment of this comprehensive real estate holding tax, which has been a very contentious issue in Parliament uh, for some time. 
Also, those who own two homes temporarily will be considered as single householders as well. These basically include those who temporarily own two apartments, say due to inheritance or being in the middle of a sale, or those who own a low-valued housing unit outside of major cities, including Seoul. So you may have one apartment in Seoul and then, I don't know, a weekend house that is relatively cheaper outside of the metropolitan area. So it can't be uh, like be... Seoul and Busan. <laughs> Uh, right, because Busan would be considered a major city, of course. Mm. Right. Uh, additionally, up to 80% of the tax will be waived for those who are either at least 60 years old or who have owned a single home for a minimum of five years until they either sell or pass on the property. So that's basically mm. encouraging people to actually live in the home that they own. Mm. Uh, rival parties plan to pass the bill through the National Assembly next Wednesday. Reports suggest that it is likely to be passed. Uh, the Comprehensive Real Estate Holding Tax, it was introduced as a means to have those uh, rich pay more taxes. But the government and the People Power Party, they've been pushing to overhaul the scheme of course, amid soaring house prices and tax rate hikes, which have led to an increase in the number of people actually subject to the tax. Mm. Uh, the tax is currently level levied on owners of a single home with a value exceeding 1.1 billion won. Uh, the ruling party has been calling for raising the base to 1.4 billion to exempt more people. Uh, and the government estimates some 100,000 people will actually benefit from the bill that's, of course, if it passes. So we'll have to uh, wait and see until next week to see if, in fact, the bill does pass. Let's move on to our third keyword of the day. Trade deficit. So Korea recorded an all-time high trade deficit last month in the wake of skyrocketing import prices of raw materials and relatively low export growth. This is raising a red flag for the nation, which is heavily dependent on, of course, exports for its growth. Yeah, Korea is a very export-dependent country, and the figures aren't looking very rosy at the moment. Uh, Trade Minister's data shows exports grew 6.6% in the month of August to just over $66 billion. Exports increased by just 6.6% to just over $56.6 billion. This meant a trade deficit of nearly $9.5 billion, marking the largest since the nation started compiling relevant data in 1956. That's also uh, nearly double, actually, the previous month's $4.8 billion. Uh, Korea's trade balance also remained in the red for the fifth consecutive month. That's the first time in 14 years for that to happen. Uh, the record trade deficit puts more pressure on the South Korean won, which uh, has weakened more than 11% against the dollar so far this year. To the lowest level since April 2009, the height of the financial crisis. Um, semiconductor shipments, are the biggest driver of Korean income, fell nearly 8% last month. That was the first decline, actually, in more than two years. Of course, a time when the global economy bore the brunt of mm. the pandemic. And Korea is headed for its first annual trade deficit since 2008, as elevated energy and commodity prices drove up import prices. Uh, global demand is also at risk of faltering as central banks raise interest rates to try to rein in inflation. So that's also another factor to consider. A series of rate hikes by the U.S. Fed to rein in U.S. inflation has weighed on the Korean currency, making imported goods more expensive um, for their economies. Mm -hmm. So it's bad news for a lot of importers here in the country. Right. Uh, while the outlook for exports remains clouded, consumption has been kind of a key support for the Korean economy 
as COVID regulations are loosened, but it seems like it's not doing enough to kind of counteract mm. that uh, trade deficit for the moment anyway. The so-called revenge spending, I mean, I don't think it has as big of an effect as economists were predicting at the start of the year, right? right? All right, we'll have to wait and see how that one pans. Uh, let's take a look at our fourth keyword of the day. Socially vulnerable. So President Yoon song yeol has visited the home of a senior citizen who lives alone and depends on welfare benefits. The move is seen as a way to show his commitment to helping particularly the socially vulnerable and prioritizing their welfare. Right. It also comes uh, in the holiday season. Right. The visit does come uh, to uh, the visit to the 84-year-old woman comes uh, a week before the Chuseok holiday. And it is a time that often leaves the weak and vulnerable feeling lonelier uh, than usual. And the woman lives off government subsidies in the Changshin area of Seoul's Chongno uh, district. Uh, Yoon promised during the visit to expand tailored care services for the elderly. And he stressed that senior citizens who sacrifice themselves for the country's economic development should be healthy and safe. Of course, uh, the elderly generation, they basically bore the brunt of basically what was a recession in Korea. They've been through the hard times of the country. Mm -hmm. And he also gave the women gifts for Chuseok as well. And he's also preparing uh, more gifts for just over 100,000 people. There's this kind of gift set that's going to be handed out to Mm. members of the public. Uh, Yoon has repeatedly called for increasing support for the socially vulnerable. Uh, And before meeting the woman, Yoon visited the local community centre in Tangshin and again spoke of the tragedy of the mother and her two daughters in Suwon recently, who took apparently their own lives last Mm. month after struggling with illness and financial difficulties. Uh, And he called for building a welfare system that identifies and supports struggling citizens. And he also promised to overhaul the legal and information systems that back it up as well. Mm. He also stressed the importance of the role of social welfare workers in finding households that need help. So basically, these households may not voluntarily step up uh, to call Um, or to uh, ask for that help. And he called on the private sector as well, including local hospitals, banks and religious facilities to come together to support the socially vulnerable as well. So again, more calls from the president to the private sector to step in, basically. All right. And with that, let's move on to a weather related final keyword of the day. La, li- La Nina. La Nina. Excuse me. In, in our defense, it is a Spanish word, right? <laughs> All right. So the World Meteorological Organization says we're about to see the first triple dip La Nina of the century spanning three consecutive winters. I do think we need to clarify what the terminology means. Right. So, of course, this may be a, a bit of a new term mm-hmm. for a lot of our listeners. So I will clear it up. Uh, but the WMA, uh, oh, rather, said it was in the last six weeks that La Nina conditions strengthened in the tropical Pacific. This affects temperatures and rain patterns and makes drought and flooding worse in different parts of the world. We saw kind of unprecedented rainfall in Korea mm. uh, earlier this month, um, which is kind of a testament to that. Now, La Nina is the cooling of ocean surface temperatures coupled with winds and rainfall. During a La Nina, unusually strong trade winds blow warm surface water from the Americas toward Asia. 
Then from the bottom of the sea, more cool water rises, leading to a cooling effect across the central and eastern tropical Pacific Ocean. Mm. The consequences of that phenomenon vary from region to region and are never quite the same each year. But La Nina usually has the opposite effects of the better known El Nino event, which has been making uh, news headlines in recent years. Um, for example, Australia, for example, tends to get more rain. Uh, Eastern Africa is usually drier than normal. Mm. It also leads to more Atlantic hurricanes, less rain, and more wildfires in the Western United States. We saw the state of California see kind of unprecedented wildfires as well mm. recently. Uh, and it also results in agricultural losses in the central United States. This uh, this particular La Nina event uh, started in September 2020. The WMO forecasts it is likely to continue over the next six months. Uh, there is a 70% chance of that happening between September and November mm. and a 55% chance of it happening between December and February next year. If there's, I don't want to oversimplify the headline, but just to better understand in a larger context, whether irregularities is possibly the most obvious measuring stick for undesirable changes. A lot of times, like you said, even with this contagious La Nina events, it's hard for us to predict how it will affect different countries, different continents. But that's why we have the WMO and that's the latest update. Adam, thank you so much for a week's worth of coverage. Uh, do you have any weekend plans? Uh, no, I think I'm going to make it a quiet weekend this week. <laughs> <laughs> that might actually be a clue in to our question on boxing topic of the day. Is there a certain condition we all need to meet to feel a little bit more benevolent and benevolent and wow. well rested might be a good yeah. place to start. <laughs> benevolent. I might engage in some charity work in that case. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adam. I'll see you next week. Yeah, I'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.